In the ancient Near East, it was a common thing for a king or a ruler to take the title or call himself a shepherd because shepherd takes, shepherds take care of dumb animals. And so it was actually this derogatory term towards their people. Like, yeah, I'm the shepherd, you're the dumb sheep, just follow me and we'll keep you safe. So it's not accidental that that God chooses David, an actual shepherd, to be his great king of Israel. And of course, David isn't chosen because he's great or handsome or majestic. He's chosen because he has a good heart. Now, one thing that's characteristic of sheep is that they have uh, their, their eyesight is such that they can see like 320 degrees around, like all over the place they can, they can, they can see. Uh, so the only blind spots that they have are like directly behind them and directly in front of them. They can't see forward very well and their depth perception isn't very well either. They can see about 20 feet in front of them. So in a certain sense, they're blind, So this is not accidental that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and he comes opening the eyes of the sheep. Sheep need the shepherd to show them the way so that they can find the way to those fresh and running waters, the green pastures, so that they can navigate through the valley of the shadow of death. We need the shepherd to open our eyes to show us the way. I've always thought of one of the the main parts of my ministry as a priest is to help people to see. The priest is the one who's supposed to be able to look into into the very depths of scripture, into the heart of Christ, and communicate that to his people be able to look into their hearts, into their circumstances and situations of life and speak those words of life, speak those words of light to them. And so far as the the priest does that, he succeeds in his ministry. And again, it's not accidental that the head priest at a parish is called a pastor, the shepherd, the one who pastures his sheep. Of course, Jesus will say, and elsewhere in the, in the scriptures, will also talk about the, the bad shepherd, the, the mercenary shepherd, the one who is he's not really, they're not his sheep, he's a, he's a hired hand. And so he doesn't really care that much about the sheep, he cares about his own livelihood. And I think this is what can zap the priesthood of its fruitfulness, the priest who just considers himself a mercenary. This is my job, I punch in, I punch out. I do kind of what's expected. People like me, they, they more or less get on and I live a pretty comfortable middle-class life. But that's not what we're called to as priests. Now fortunately for you, that even should you have a mediocre pastor or even a bad pastor, the sacraments are still guaranteed. That's actually the the great benefit of the priesthood for you is that a validly ordained priest validly confects the sacraments. So that you know when you come to Mass, even if you get a less than enlightening sermon, you get Jesus in the Eucharist. 
And you know that even if you, even if in the confessional you get lousy advice or bad penances, at least you get absolution. And you can rest assured of that. However, it doesn't bode very well for the priest who's not living his priesthood in such a way that he's conforming his life to the, the words, conforming his life to the mission that he has, which is really to be a representative of Christ on earth. And so on, on both sides, that's what can zap the priesthood of its fruitfulness. The priest who thinks of himself as, you know, just, it's just my job, but also when the people think of the priest as, that's just his job, and pastors come and go, and we can just kind of wait this one out if we don't like him, and I don't have to really, I'm not going to really do much about my spiritual life. He's not, he's not feeding me, and I'll just, that's just what it is. But that's the, that's the flaw on, on the other side. Because even if you have a, a, a mediocre pastor, you still have access to the sacraments, you still have access to the scriptures, you still have access to many ways to keep growing in your faith. And actually sometimes it's the, it's the, the, the mediocre pastor, the pastor that maybe just doesn't jive with you or doesn't speak your language, is the one who's gonna help you grow the most. Because we have to conform our hearts, our minds, our lives to, to directives that ah, we just don't find uh, all that enthusiastic. Now, to get back to the gospel, we see three responses to Jesus when he's opening the eyes of the blind. The first is the one who says, I'm blind, I want to see Jesus open my eyes. So the blind man, now he can see. Now, the second group of people are the people who see that the blind man can now see, but also see that now he's living a life of persecution. Because when our eyes are open, this is what it means to be a Christian. Fundamentally, to be a Christian means I see the world in a way that nobody else sees it. The The rest of the world doesn't see the world the way that I see it. And that puts certain obligations on me, certain demands upon me, and often opens me up to persecution and uh, judgment. So the parents of this man, they say, hey, hey, you go talk to him. We don't, we, he's of age. We don't want to talk about it. Because they saw he was getting kicked out of the synagogue. He was being persecuted. And others probably like, yeah, yeah, nope, yep, I'm, you, you do your thing, I'll do mine. And so sometimes we see the demands of living the Christian life and we sit in such a way that like, I don't want my eyes actually to be opened. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come to mass, I'm gonna do the things that I'm supposed to do, but I'm not growing in my, in my spiritual life. And in a certain sense, the, the priest's ministry becomes fruitless. Now there's the third group of people and that third group of people is characterized by the Pharisees. The Pharisees don't like the package in which the message comes. Just like the first reading, Eliab, Eliab, oh wow, he's, he's great, he'll make a great king. No, 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 not him. This guy, this lowly shepherd. Really, Lord, him? You want him to be the, to be the king of Israel? Yeah, I choose him. And same thing, the, 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 the Pharisees, they knew the law, they knew the scriptures, they're waiting for God, and then God shows up in their midst and they say, him? No, 
No, not him. And so they don't allow their eyes to be opened. They, they remain in their, in their ignorance, they remain in their darkness out of kind of a stubbornness and pride. Obviously, there's only one camp that we really want to fall into. But fortunately, again, for us, whether, whether our pastor comes in you know, a majestic package and is eloquent and well-polished and uh, inspiring and holy, or whether we have a pastor who's somewhere less than that, we still have the means that we need to have our eyes opened and to follow the good shepherd to those green pastures, to those flowing waters. There was a a man named John a long time ago. He wanted to be a priest. The problem was that John wasn't very intelligent. Actually, rather rather dumb. He struggled with his studies. He somehow made it into seminary, but when he got to the the test to pass to to become a, a priest, he failed. He was the only one out of about 200 students to fail. It was only because a pastor who knew him, knew his piety, knew his faithfulness, knew his holiness, went to the bishop and said, hey, I know he's not much, but he's a holy man. We should ordain him. We'll just send him to a small country parish out in the middle of nowhere where he can't do much harm. So the bishop was convinced, ordained him, sent him out to this little country parish where he wasn't received very well. In fact, people didn't like him. His homilies weren't good. His, his advice in the confessional probably wasn't much better. And they probably all knew that this was the guy who barely got ordained. They probably knew that he was kind of an idiot. You could probably tell that he wasn't eloquent. And they probably didn't like the package that he came in. So Father John spent his time praying, fasting, offering his sufferings for his people, going out, visiting them, inviting them back to church, back to mass, back to the sacraments. And little by little, the fruitfulness of his, of his ministry was apparent until he spent many hours in the confessional. Many people came to see him. Many people came to his masses. But probably not everybody Probably there are still some people out in the fringes who said, I don't, I'm not going to listen to this nobody priest. And they didn't grow in their, holy, their, their spiritual life. They didn't grow in holiness. And I just kind of imagined that those, per, those people, that person at the day of judgment standing before the good shepherd. And he says, you know, you really didn't achieve what I expected from you. You didn't do in your spiritual life what I was calling you to. And he says, well, what do you expect, Lord? You gave, you gave us that, that chump pastor. And the Lord says to him, oh, you mean Saint Father John Vianney, the patron saint of priests. Yeah, he was, he was dumb. He failed out of seminary. Yeah, brothers and sisters, we don't want, we don't want to fall into that. So whether, whether we have a, a great priest, whether we have a mediocre priest, that doesn't limit our possibility of following the good shepherd 
to those pure flowing waters, to the green pastures, to the promised land. For any ways that I fail to live up to my priesthood, I beg your forgiveness and ask for your prayers because even if you can make it with a mediocre priest, I can't make it by being a mediocre priest.